a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the microwave-induced drink dispenser to my luxury pleasure yacht, it's John Campbell. <laughs> Hello, everybody. That's right. We're off on a fun intergalactic vacation this week, right? <laughs> certainly seems that way though if anything this is more like returning home we've been on our yep. vacation off into the manga adaptations right. and now we're back in the realm of the 1970s star wars comics oh. and boy does it not stop being weird oh god this is so weird now i mean they, they just i i knew right from looking at the cover on what this one was going to be that we were going to be in weird territory here because we're now uh entering uh a, you know a flashback to a section of the universe that is completely completely ill-defined at this point in uh you know in, in the making of star wars and that i was sure was going to conflict with what we would later come to know of the you know the prequel yeah what we come uh, the prequel era we, we will get into it a little bit and like this does and doesn't conflict with what we know of pre a new hope obi-wan and we'll get into it yeah. uh because yeah we are covering uh, Star Wars Marvel Comics Group presents from 1977 uh, Star Wars number 24. Uh, this was originally released in June of 1979. Uh, we're ever getting closer to that Empire striking back in 1980. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And this feels like a whole lot more treading water while we wait for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one is really treading water. And I. And also, even in you talking about it does and doesn't conflict with what we know of the prequel era and young Obi-Wan, uh, I think the, the, the treading water of even like, yeah, we don't want to talk too much about that stuff, though. You know, it's sort of like, let's flash back to it, but also add nothing. Like, right? Like, there's yeah. a whole lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a whole lot of uh, detail about what the, the pre-Empire world was, really. We'll get into it, but this is definitely a framed narrative that we're dealing with today, and it really feels like about halfway through the issue, they sort of forget what the parable was supposed to be about. That is, That really made me laugh last night, too. I'm going, and why does this story connect to what's happening? <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, Star Wars number 24. Yeah. Uh, we've got a slightly different creative team on this one. Mostly we just have a fill-in writer in the form of Joe Duffy, yeah. a Marvel staple at this time. Oh, indeed, yeah. I mean, uh, Joe Duffy's name is all over pretty much any of their titles, I would say. I mean, like, uh, I'm pretty sure she had something to do with pretty much any of your favorite Marvel characters, right? At least a fill-in writer here and there on a lot of the big books. Uh, I think she, the big series she was actively doing at the time was uh, Heroes for Hire, Power Man, and Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. um, and I know she did some fill-in issues on, like, Punisher. And I think there was, like, an X... Or not an X-Men, but, like, X-related characters miniseries happening around this time called Fallen Angels that she also yeah, did. Yeah, she's created with that. Power Man and Iron Fist, I think, uh, came up there. Defenders. Uh, well, I, I, I'm looking up her credentials here. Uh, mm. as she was... She started her career as assistant to Archie Goodwin. So that would make sense, right? That she... 
right. filled in on a lot of books he was working on. So Yeah, and Archie, of course, being an editor at Marvel at this time, also the writer of this particular book that we've been following, yeah. at least now. Uh, she goes on to be the main writer for Catwoman in the 90s over at DC as well. So, And I think she's done some stuff for Image around that time as well. Yep, yeah, yeah. She's, so she's still, uh, she now works as a receptionist at the U.S. Immigration Office in New York. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She has not, uh, she's been largely absent from the comic book scene in the. Well, look, I'm sure she had her reasons for exiting, as so many people did Com- after the 90s. Comics will break your heart, man. There's no question. That's uh, the refrain, and it's true. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, most of our other creative team is pretty much the same for this issue. We've got Carmen Infantino on pencils. We've got Bob Wycheck on inks. We've got Petra Goldberg on colors and Rick Parker as a letterer with a certain shooter up on a grassy knoll overseeing it all. Mm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someday you'll all meet the beyonder. <laughs> Someday soon. <laughs> um, yeah. That's just percolating uh, right now for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get into this issue and the cover here, because yes, as we have been hinting at, this is an all-new, untold tale. Ben Kenobi fights alone. It's Ben Kenobi fighting alone against those who are questioning why he has switched to a purple robe in the comic here. Um, yeah, the the... Who did the cover for this? It's It was Infantino. So look, there's no excuse for the wild inconsistency here because A, his hair is the wrong color for the story we're telling in this issue. B, the robes do not appear later in this issue. And C, the lightsaber color changes actually in this issue, even though like pink has been the normal yeah. like lightsaber standard color in this book. Inside, we have an Obi-Wan with a white lightsaber. White lightsaber, exactly. Yeah. And he's being threatened by an extra from a Shakespeare play with this dagger. <laughs> Look at that thing. You just know that blade goes into the hilt of that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a spring coil knife. I love all these people. So you've got all these guns and this knife and everything pointed at Obi-Wan. And then this guy on the right who doesn't have a weapon, but he's just going like, Yeah, that guy. Get him. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> the number of people that would need to be like standing basically on top of each other to fit the number of hands coming into frame oh. here. Cause they're all right hands. Yep. That's the thing they are that all, gets me. No one's dual wielding. It's not like a thing like that or, you know, or no, it's just a bunch of guys and they've all, they're all like putting their arms to and their hands together going like, hold on. I all, we all want to get sent a mass on this son of a bitch. Actually, never mind. The blue hand down at the bottom is a left-hander. So for all we know, those two pistols down at the bottom of the cover here are the same guy who's just had a hand transplant. I got one monster hand. Um, <laughs> oh, that's uh, Joe Monster Hand over there. And then the, the monster over on the left is a total Infantino loves this basic kind of monster, right? With the bat ears and the weird, like, spike nose is just a constant go-back for him. Can't get that out of there, man. And I bet if you go back and look at, like, his Silver Age DC stuff, this guy's probably in there, too. Oh, I'm sure he appeared on New Genesis a number of times. (laughs) (laughs) And then, meanwhile, uh, uh, Obi-Wan is defending Kirkland brand C-3PO. Uh, I think you mean uh, Metropolis at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's sort of like, you know, C-3PO is vaguely based on the uh, 
Robot from Metropolis. What if it just was the robot from Metropolis? <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. We know that this issue is eighteen pages. How many of those pages do you think Obi Wan Kenobi appears on? Oh, geez, fourteen. Uh, less than that. We're getting into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. Finally, though, I, I'm sure this. I'm sure this sold issues because people go like, "Ooh, uh, all the tantalizing clues from the movie about Obi Wan's past and the Clone Wars, and you know, there's so much cool shit in that first movie that you're just like, "Ooh, what's that? And what's this?" Finally, this time with Luke's father being betrayed by Darth Vader, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, finally the answers. None of those will be found here. Uh, we are actually jumping backwards in time, not only for the meat of this issue, but also for the framing device. Why is my big way? <laughs> I, I will say, few of these issues have baffled me as much from page one as this editor's note that this takes mm. place after the events of Star Wars number 15. What happened in Star Wars 15? Is that after the pirate stuff? What was that? Uh, Star Wars number 15 was them escaping uh, Doom World, yes. So it takes place after they beat Crimson Jack, but before Valance comes after them. What does it matter? Why can't they just be escaping the wheel? Good question. Don't know. (laughs) That made no... There is no reason at all for this. That really immediately threw... Dropping out of hyperspace to make minor repairs. You didn't even have... Why even... I wouldn't have thought anything if they didn't put the note. And they're like, no, no, you need to know this happened like nine issues before. Yeah, I no freaking clue. Yeah. Uh, Because, yeah, there's nothing at the end of issue number 23 as they're escaping the wheel and fleeing Darth Vader that, like, would indicate that they would have to not, like, jump out of hyperspace to make minor repairs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no idea. If anything, it might be more thematically uh, tied in with the Obi-Wan story here because we did just have this whole psychic duel thing between Luke and Vader. Yeah, you would think so. Like (laughs) having it be a story about Jedi using the force. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, it's it's the least Jedi Jedi story you've ever heard. Um, So, I mean, it's a Jedi ish story. It just doesn't tie in with what's actually happening, which is why it's so baffling. It's so baffling. Anyway. The uh, issues before, apparently, the Millennium Falcon was pursued by TIE Fighters. Yeah, so TIE Fighters coming out of nowhere. They're firing at uh, the Millennium Falcon. We have no idea who's talking because we're in this framing device. Suddenly we cut into the ship. Suddenly we cut into the ship. Everybody's real upset uh, and and, uh, worried. Chewie's locks are luscious. Uh. (laughs) Man, I... I hate to do this. I have read ahead, like I've said yeah, in the past. Yeah. And, like, I know that Inventino is going to be, like, the majority of the artist we deal with here. But, like, there's a couple of issues where, like, Walter Simonson takes over. And, God damn it, everyone else just draws a much better Chewbacca than Carmine Inventino. Inventino might draw the worst Chewbacca, period. Like, really. <laughs> I mean, as we draw about, not even Chewbacca. He's so off-model. You know, everybody else is at least, like... Base, even if it doesn't look like Harrison Ford or whatever, you're like, oh, baseline, that is the general design of Han Solo or whatever. Chewbacca yeah. way off. We, I mean, we always talk about him being Sasquatch because that's what he looks like. His Marvel character the Sasquatch. The hair's too yeah. long. The face is all wrong. 
Um, yeah. 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 Anyway, all right. We've we've made our point. <laughs> so we we get some dialogue from these Tie Fighter pilots who are like, "Hey, I think we found a weakness in their shields. Good job. Concentrate your fire on that weakness in the." They shields. sound like A Team henchmen, right? We're just like, "Hey, yeah." <laughs> just like, yeah. It's so weird to suddenly just hear that, and they frasped the hell out of the Millennium Falcon. I do like a good frasp. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and it looks like the Falcon's down. Oh no! But then it turns out it was a trick, and they shoot them both at the same time. Yep, they vorsh them. Um, they vorsh and it's a vorsh and a broom. Yep, the classic vorsh and broom. <laughs> and uh, what's this? Oh, that old space pirate Han Solo had a trick up his sleeve. Yeah, it turns out one of his special modifications was this, like jerry-rigged explosion that is set to go off in his engines to make it look like the ship has been shot, which I think is a super clever, like, yeah, that's a spaceship trick sure. that Han Solo would probably have. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I have no issue with anything here. Uh, we do have the most uh, uh, just gorgeous gal that is Luke Skywalker right there. Look at that. Look at the feminine <laughs> features of that face and that hair. Oh, look, Anfantina likes to draw uh, a Prince Valiant-ass-looking Luke, and we know it's it. So, it's so interesting. He loves to draw a Prince Valiant-looking Luke and then the sharpest, harshest Princess Leia. It's it's very interesting where his instincts lie on this book. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you've read books where Inventino's doing the art, he only has, like, three or four character faces, like, total. It's true. <laughs> Also, look at the look at that nose on Han Solo. You could cut like cheese with that thing. Look, we're gonna be talking about noses here in a minute because like Inventino goes wild on some noses in a couple of pages here. Uh but so they're having this conversation about how Han's such a genius for figuring out this little oh, ploy of theirs. Yeah. Uh Leia even goes as far as to say that that was a masterstroke. And Han can't let that slide without a very civil of you to admit it, your worshipfulness. <laughs> and then, of course, though, Leia has to follow up with a, but of course Han didn't invent that trick. <laughs> the Jedi Knights used it for centuries. You know, the deceitful ploys of the Jedi Knights. Classics, you know, scavenger space pirates. Oh, those scallywags that were the Jedi Knights, man. Uh, yeah, known for their tricks. Always <laughs> tricks. Well, they've got the one trick that involves a wave of the hand. Yeah, they've got a one they've got the one trick. Um and then uh, Han Solo turns into a totally different person in this background. Look at all of a sudden he has totally different proportions and facial features when he's standing in the background there. Look, Han's musculature has like wildly changed depending on the issue. He's either like book, so I'm not surprised by anything. He's either like real broad and beefy or he's real thin depending on you know I don't even know actually what's mitigating that and like what's creating. How, how many times in this book have we seen him with his shirt off, with his pants up to his navel, yeah. and just absolutely swole? Oh God, yeah, absolutely, but swoller than Harrison Ford at his swollest, which by the way is, I believe, Temple of Doom. I think that is the swollest of Harrison Ford's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And he has to spend most of that movie with his shirt off, so I think that was he really yeah. hit the gym on that one. Um, so yes, uh, don't you know, and I know of an occasion, the Jedi Knights use, so the, this is a classic Jedi Knight ploy. And let me specifically tell you of the one time old Ben Kenobi used it. Now, 
when reading this page where Leia's like, yeah, that was really smart to like modulate your shields so they thought there was a weakness and make an explosion and then shoot them both at the same time. Mm -hmm. You would think that when Leia says Jedi Knights have been using that trick for centuries, what do you think she's referring to when you said when she says that trick? (laughs) Is it a combination of all those things that you just said? Yeah. I, I mean, in, the answer may surprise in you. In broader strokes, <laughs> it should be something about faking ship trouble, right? At, yep. at the very mm-hmm. least, that's what it sh- that's what it should be, right? We'll get to what it actually is at the end of this story. And then it's like you know, I, I also um, she calls him Ben Kenobi. Yeah, because we've all seen the Obi Wan show where she's introduced to Ben Kenobi. <laughs> to Ben, yeah. Um, to be fair, when Luke first comes into the cell block in A New Hope, he does say to her, "I've come with Ben Kenobi," and her, she says, "Ben Kenobi." But her, as if, yeah. But her message was to Obi Wan Kenobi on the on R two is what I'm saying. right. But it does imply that like she is familiar with his yeah, yeah, fake name. All right, all right, all right. Uh, but it's a story. My father <laughs> also the like uh uh you know, a uh, hearsay of this story. I love cause it's actually, it's Leia's father telling her a story that we'll find out was told to him by a robot. <laughs> and also it's well, not that exciting a story. It happened one time. That's why we can tell it here for the first time yeah, ever. It can be told back in the days of the older public. And she's mad about this story for some reason, based on those eyebrows. No, that's just how her eyebrows are all the time. <laughs> The heart. She has she has resting intrigue face, John. She can't help it. Mm. It's I I hate the way Infantino draws Leia. Um, all right. Yeah, no. It, it looks like she is a scheming court vizier. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like Evil Lynn from Mass of the Universe. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. She has. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah. So we're flashing back to the days of the old Republic. Now, this is canonically the. First thing we've ever seen in Star Wars the of the Old Republic, right? The first time we've actually seen the Old Republic. I I think so. It's been talked about in some of the RPG books at this point. Okay, yeah. Right. But it but in terms of like actually visualizing what the Old Republic is, and again, like a, this wouldn't Okay, we're gonna get into the weeds here no, no, first. No, I, I know where you're going with it. By like classifications of timeline at this point, what we're seeing here would be like late era, high Republic, old Republic will later be delineated to like stuff that happens. uh, Thousands and thousands. Right. 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 Yeah. Of course. Knights of the old Republic and all of that stuff. That's a thing, but at least by the parlance of this, this is the back we've gone that we're seeing in like a, a a Star Wars narrative story thing outside of the as you brought up the RPG, right? And presenting the a time before the Empire, before right? the Empire, as she says here, when space was free to any ships that passed by, so long as they traveled through civilized systems. What? Sure. So you don't go through hot space. You don't go uh, traipsing about in the unknown regions where the Chiss are hanging out. And you, you keep it into the mid-rim. You don't go to the outer rim. That place is scary. But of course, as we'll come to learn from the prequels, like, eh, it wasn't so great either, though. There was its own problems. 
God, there was bad stuff all over. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I don't see a single thing have... here about any trade blockades or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, trade federations not really putting the squeeze on that boo just yet. No, instead we're above a huge pleasure cruiser. Yeah, huge pleasure cruisers moved across the galaxy. Then... Moved across the galaxy then, stocked with every luxury imaginable. Whoa. Dozens of races mingled there together, representing every strata of their society, their every extravagant pleasure or vice cared to. Yeah, uh, and here we've got a couple of weird-looking aliens being served drinks by Johnny Five from Short Circuit. <laughs> nice to see him getting more. This was an early part for him. Uh, before. Johnny Five has his liquor license. <laughs> here he comes rolling over. And everybody's just, uh, yeah, this is what I think of when I think of pre-Empire time in Star Wars. Cruise ships! <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get, like, some people in uniforms that are, like, uh, crewing the ship that are, like, looking after all these people's <laughs> pleasures and desires. It's imperial uniforms, aren't they, basically? Yeah, which I kind of dig as a nod to, like, okay, this is what the Empire, like, evolved from. We'd see more of that in Clone Wars stuff with the evolution of the, the clone troopers sure, and whatnot. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's no thought to it here is, I guess, what I'm saying, though. It doesn't seem like that. No. Oh, this is, like, a precursor to this thing. It's just sort of lazy. But I do want to get to Obi-Wan, who at this time was working as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. based on his outfit. Yeah, straight out of a fucking Steranko book. <laughs> He's in the, the tight blue with the white boots and gloves. What? Yeah, oh, like gone are the purple robes from the cover, and now we've just got uh, Nick Kenobi, yeah. agent of force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I Okay, and also, no attempt to even remotely make it seem like this guy turns into Alec Guinness. Uh, yeah, let's go to the next page where we get a better view of that, because this Errol Flynn-looking motherfucker... Yeah. <laughs> He's about to squash some buckles, man. Uh, look at that mustache, and, and I just... <laughs> I know, in fan, I mean, I know the, the thing of this, like, but it's another thing where it's like, you do have a lot of context for what young Alec Guinness looked like, number one. Uh, but there's no attempt... This isn't young Alec Guinness. This is young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, what year does Bridge on the uh, River Kwai come out? I would have been in the late <laughs> 60s, so that's probably what he should look like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You know, the movie he won an Oscar for. Oh, yeah, a little something there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah Alec Guinness was uh, not exactly an unknown when he got... Uh, Right, but that was yeah. the whole point, right? Was like you put these guys with extreme gravitas in these like somewhat minor roles in the form of Tarkin yeah, you, and Obi-Wan. Folks, if you Google Alec Guinness, the first photo that comes up is a real Errol Flynn-looking Alec Guinness with a sweet, fancy mustache. And he should... Obi, young Obi-Wan should just look like that. Uh, if, if you're <laughs> I actually love the way... Um, the 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 first run of the Marvel book, whenever they would do the flashbacks too, and they did young Alec Guinness, he looked great. Like the mm, like the in between mm -hmm. where he's older than Ewan McGregor but younger than Alec Guinness in seventies Star Wars. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that design. But anyway, here he is, swashbuckling secret agent, General Obi Wan Kenobi, General of what? At this point, we so. 
we we know that a thing called the Clone Wars mm-hmm. happened, and Leia refers to Obi Wan as General Kenobi right. in her message. Right. So are we to assume that this takes place in? And again, like the the prequels re- will re- rewrite this right. in a post Clone Wars pre Empire era. It's- I think that's what they think they're doing. Because obviously there's not a war happening as as such. But he already has a military command, implying that there was some sort of war, right? Unless there is a war happening and, like, these people on this pleasure cruise are just, like, blissfully ignoring it, which I think they would mention if that were the case. Because well, all they say, literally, this is all it says, is... Uh, Obi-Wan was riding the ship only because it happened to be going towards his destination. What is that destination? Alderaan. It's Alderaan. For what reason? Yeah. To talk to Bail Organa. Prince Bail Organa, by the way, when we go here. I don't... Sure, yeah. But he's almost never referred to as Prince in anything I've ever... Yeah, no, and like why Leia is referred to as a princess is always a little murky yeah, on top of that. that. Well, <laughs> it's one of the things where it's like uh, Lucas early on is grabbing all these tropes of like sci-fi pulp, and so he's got mm-hmm. that's in danger. And then basically everything about her character makes no sense for to be a princess going forward. But it's sort of like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I don't know how into the weeds you want me to get on this. I mean, one, as like, always, a little bit is okay. <laughs> in a in a lot of the expanded universe stuff, how the like politics system on Alderaan works is a little Game of Thronesy. Like, there's all these houses competing and jockeying for political power, and the Organas have like been one of those major houses for as long as anyone can remember. Right. And the heads of those houses are usually referred to as prince and princesses. And there's no actual like ruling monarch. Well, see, that of the that makes planet. that makes much more sense. As opposed yeah. to the democratically elected queen of Naboo, which always <laughs> that always was so strange to me. Look, it's a democratic monarchy. Yeah. I think there's a good system I, there. Let's not elect a 14-year-old to rule our world. I know. Also, I still want to see uh, Padme's like election campaign and stuff like that for that. What was that like? She, th- their opponent's just going like, she's a child! <laughs> <laughs> Well, look when you're when you're running against Jar Jar Binks, the swamp fool. <laughs> yeah, it was a shoe, and she won in a landslide. <laughs> but to be fair, there was some redlining and stuff, and the Gungan vote was suppressed. Actually, so it's <laughs> true. Yeah, the, the the Gungan voter ID laws really put a damper oh, on that election. And it was really tough, man. Uh, I'm sorry, we cannot accept this swamp coin as your form of ID. Um, <laughs> So let's meet uh, Obi-Wan's new best friend, 68 RKO. That sounds like a radio station. 68 RKO, playing all the hits of today. Um, RKO, 68, The Rock. It actually, I wonder if it's a reference to the old movie studio, RKO. And specifically, uh, it wouldn't be 68, but RKO 281 was the code for Citizen Kane. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything or if they're just slamming letters together. Could be both. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we, we meet this droid and we are told more about the uh, the droid racism that exists God, here th- in the Star Wars universe. Th- th- this comic has added even more bizarre wrinkles to the 
presence of droids and people's perception of them in the Star Wars universe, which still is not explained enough, in my opinion. The, oh, we can't go on to like talk about the droid stuff because it's just a whole philosophical. Oh yeah, no, no. We, we've we, it's a conversation we've been avoiding. We're always just like because uh, it's a whole thing. Until we read a comic that directly addresses it, I feel like we have to sweep it under the rug just as much as the well, comic. Every does. every every new piece that it's addressed in anything I read or watch, I'm always just like, God, droids are a weird part of this universe. And it all spins out of that one guy in the cantina yeah. on Tatooine going, your droids, they're going to have to wait outside. We don't want their kind here. Yeah, it's like, and if you thought that guy was racist, the guys in this comic are like, hold my beer. Yeah, because, okay, let's talk about noses and the transformation thereof with this guy in the the red turtleneck this, here. It's not a turtleneck. It's like a button down this, or something or other. But This whole character design is completely insane. Well, and it... it so it's, it looks like this hawkish, weird goblin face for these middle two panels here when he's accusing this droid of who's talking to Obi-Wan to be, like, not a person and needs to get out of what here. What's that he's a racist thing asshole. doing in here, he says. Yeah. Why don't you go below decks where you belong? This Jedi may be a lousy droid lover, but the rest of us don't want you don't want your kind mixing with people. <laughs> yeah, I... This is the idea of there are people who are, like, dismissive of droids, and then we run into occasional characters who are, like, hateful of droids. Right, because they're trying to be people, John. We can't have that. It's like, you think you're a living thing, you son of a bitch? You bucket of bolts. Get back where you belong in the cargo hold. Jeez. Well... Thankfully, Obi-Wan doesn't take this sitting down because uh, he immediately kicks this guy's leg so hard that he goes flying into a table. <laughs> I recommend it in the future you make your trips alone. <laughs> so, this guy was just that actually does standing there yeah. poking, his poking this droid. Yeah. He wasn't like running at the droid. How does Obi-Wan trip him like this? I, I don't know. Uh, I will say, though, the sassy comment is very on character for Obi-Wan. Oh, um, oh, yeah. But he scams him good, man. Um, so then, when his face hits this table, on the next page, it is radically different face. Yeah, well, Obi-Wan, he hit that table so hard it reconstructed the, the shape of his face. And this is where he pulls <laughs> the dagger. And I gotta say, going to this next page, kind of badass the way Obi-Wan just murders this man. <laughs> So uh, the droid uh, RKO has come to Obi-Wan because uh, the captain of the ship, Captain Quasar. Oh, boy. Uh, oh boy was that a, 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 a Flash Gordon ripoff of the 1940s, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, but has asked Obi-Wan to look after this droid. Uh, and Obi-Wan is agreeing, yep. but this red shirt is getting in the way. So uh, he pulls a dagger. He comes to Obi-Wan's back. And Obi-Wan... Faster than thought, Ben reacted, his hand flying to the hilt of his lightsaber and pressing the active, activating stud. Activating stud. We still are talking about uh, the, the, the all-over-the-place ways that like lightsabers function. Uh, mm -hmm. Activating stud is an interesting description. Um, but just the casual, not even looking back behind him and just activating the blade so it comes out and, I guess, presumably impales this man? I mean... Say what you will about the movie, and we won't relitigate it here, but there is a similar lightsaber kill in uh, Rise of Skywalker with yes. 
uh, Kylo Ren exactly. when he just like turns the lightsaber on, then turns it off, and it just like burns a hole through a guy. Yeah, it is one of the one of the the few things in that movie I will say is legitimately awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> just the you just, well, I also love it because it's like a comic and the code. It, you don't see it go through him. It seems like it's like a blunt instrument hit him in the chest based on the drawing. It makes a warp. It warp. Uh, and, and Obi-Wan does make a comment about like, hey, bartender, you better cut off some of these drunks. <laughs> uh, RKO makes a comment. He leaped right onto your blade. I didn't think you'd seen him. And Obi-Wan just with a casual, I hadn't. And then this other guy, even more goblin-y looking, is like... And this is where I think Infantino had like some art confusion because I think he thought that it was this guy who was attacking Obi-Wan and like, it was actually just like had to cover it up with coloring in the previous page yeah. after the fact. It's gotta be. Cause this guy is so goblin looking suddenly. So, yeah. Suddenly the other guy has a totally different face and that the guy's first face is now on this character. Exactly. Like that face seems to have a mind of its own leaping from character. This guy's character. just a fan of murder. Cause he's like, Hey, that was a good killing. Yeah, here, have this drink. Yeah. It can taste like whatever you want, and it's full of drugs. <laughs> Man, though, look at the James Bondian pose on Obi-Wan, too. He really is a swagger and secret agent in this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, he's sitting down with one armed cock on his hip, one on the arm rest, being like, hmm, serve me a drink, why don't yeah. you? Tell me more, Goldfinger. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this guy's name is Augustus Trill. Yeah, we get this on the next page with this weird, uh, Salvador Dali looking alien motherfucker overhearing this conversation. And he's just like, go! (laughs) Or no, that's not a mustache. Those are teeth. Those are teeth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, uh, Infantino also likes that. We've seen the like two long fangs at the corners of the mouth before from him too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Trill is proposing a partnership of murder. I don't know actually what he's proposing. Well, here. it further adds once again to like they because they don't know so much about this time period and the perception of Jedi. It seems so insane to me now that this like open criminal would be trying to do business with Obi Wan Kenobi. Once again, in my understanding of this, where you would think. Right. Like, Hello, I'm a known criminal. Do you want to do work with me, Jedi Knight? <laughs> right. What? And Obi-Wan just turning around and saying, with a man who traffics in stolen goods, political betrayals, and slavery, I'm afraid I have little taste for your business as for your beverages. And just like, I'm just going to let this slide, though, even though you're like, clearly <laughs> a known <laughs> stolen goods, political betrayals. Okay, great. Wait, wait, wait. What was that last one? Slavery? <laughs> And again, from like what I know of the expanded Star Wars canon, like we know slavery is a thing on the Outer Rim. Anakin Skywalker famously started as a slave. Uh, We know that like there is a certain amount of graft that is just like out in the open for people to know about because the huts exist. Yeah. Where this is, though, is unclear, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's just like this is like a luxury pleasure cruiser 
So it seems strange that they're like open slavers. Like if you're on a planet like Tatooine, yeah, that's going on. And like when they go there in Phantom Menace, it is sort of just like, look, we can't really get involved. This is a world full of criminals. Uh, mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me. But here it seems like this is high society and this guy is just like scum trafficking among them. But they're also traveling through an area of space where, like, it is commonly known that the people who live out here will just murder you for being here. No, uh, is what we're getting into here because they're wandering into a an asteroid belt uh, where a people called the Mercen will that. show up and just kill you. You're the you're our uh, Star Wars canon expert, Gregoni. Is this, mm-hmm. are the Mercens a thing? Because they mention so much in this. And look, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty, you know, familiar with Star Wars uh, on the most part, but the Mersons are not a thing I feel like I've ever heard about before. Yeah, I mean, look, what they've been from is mostly this book, let's be honest. (laughs) Um, I figured that's the case. There's a lot of stuff like that uh, in here. Have they also appeared, or at least have been mentioned in other stuff? Yes. Like, the Mersen asteroid belt is mentioned in the Essential Atlas, like my go-to. Right. Like, every time I see a planet name, I'll flip that book open and be just like, okay, is this, did this remain enough of a thing that they assembled this in the, like, early 2000s when this book came out? Right. And it it seems like a lot of the, uh, they did take this comic into consideration, because we've seen most of the stuff mentioned in here in that, um... But usually just in this that it's mentioned, if you go to yeah. Wikipedia and stuff like that. Um, it, they will also show back up in uh, some of the like Dark Horse Ostrander stuff later on. Oh, I can see that, um, yeah. There was a, a book he was a part of that was uh, called Star Wars Republic. Um, I do. That I, ran for a while. I do remember reading some of that. Um, but so this is what we like. This is the, the we're preparing to entering the Mersen asteroid belt, all systems. So the whole idea is like, <laughs> by the way, this is a pleasure cruiser heading to Alderaan, which at this point is a big deal. I mean, and still is actually before it gets blown up, right? Just this idea about like, I'm just so confused about this whole thing. Space is always one of those things we have to take for granted, right? This idea that you would have to go through any route. Yeah, is is always very strange about space. But just this idea about this is like a high society pleasure ship. And the only way to get to Alderaan, which is, you know, a big planet full of diplomats and stuff like that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. it's 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 that's you know, that's like we're going to New York or whatever. Right. Like uh, or something. You know, uh, or Europe. Well, and specifically, Alderaan is like part of like the the inner core of the yeah. galaxy. Like it's in what is considered civilized. That's what space. I mean. So the only way to go there is to pretend to be scrap in an asteroid belt. Otherwise, you'll be killed by. Much, not much is said about the Mersons, by the way. They're just generally, as they say, they're hostile to the Republic. Yeah. So. This is the only way I was able to justify this in my head. All right, because this was totally baffling me last night. This was a pleasure cruise that all of these people are on. Right. I am going to assume that this takes place during the Clone Wars. Okay. That's why we get the General Kenobi line. Yeah. 
Kenobi is coming away from the front out in like the mid rim and outer rim gotcha. and heading back towards the core. And the only way he could find a way back was this pleasure cruise being run for the ultra wealthy. And so they're passing through all the dangerous territory to head back in towards Alderaan. I think you're right. That makes the most sense. There's nothing that indicates that in the book, but I agree. No. That's the only way to make it make sense. <laughs> No, no, that that is that is my headcanon spinning a yarn that I have to accept. Uh, let's talk about uh, somebody being jacked. Look at the pecs on Obi Wan and this shadowy. Look at that man. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Obi Wan walks away with RKO. They start having a conversation. Uh, we get the whole explanation about the Mersons, yeah. and then a crewman shows up or- and says. Uh, hey there, Obi-Wan. Uh, Captain Quasar would love to see you. Yeah. I also love that he's like, yes, you're Rourke, aren't you? What? Okay. Um, <laughs> why, why does this character need a name? Who and cares? why does Obi-Wan know it? Um, but, uh, yeah, so the Captain Quasar's compliments generally request you come to the bridge. Uh, and uh, this guy's not racist against droids, so the droid can come with him. Um, and so, yeah, they bring Obi-Wan in because uh, this is uh, bad news. Right, because they've had to shut down all of their power and communications except for life support. Right. Uh, so that they can drift through this asteroid belt because they can't navigate it through hyperspace. So they just kind of have to drift through it on no power yeah. so that they don't attract the attention of the Mersons. And this was the only way they can get to Alderaan. Uh, <laughs> still, anyway. No, this, this is the way that this particular pleasure lot... Yacht full of rich assholes has chosen to get to Alderaan, yeah. and Obi Wan just happens to yeah, be there. Here. You go, there you go. Uh, it'd be and and uh, when we look out the window here amongst the asteroid field, there are the Mersin ships, which totally look like Buck Rogers ships or something. They do not look like something out of Star Wars, no. And we get like some really confusing ship art in the next couple of pages that like completely misconstrues which ships are which and which are going oh, in what direction. It, and it's all, it's a mess. It's all nonsense because we're not dealing number one with any recognizable Star Wars ships. So we have no grounding in these designs and they're throwing all this stuff at us. And then the art is making it confusing. This is not a great issue of this comic. Uh, no. <laughs> you guys haven't figured that out. But by the way, I'm just so glad that uh, Digger Harkness Captain Boomerang is playing Captain Quasar. <laughs> Look at that! He talked about yeah. Ostrander. That is straight up out of Suicide Squad, Captain Boomerang. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. That's wild. I didn't even put that together. I just yeah. noticed that now, just the way his hair flips up on that hat. Um, and Obi-Wan's like, yeah, that does seem bad, man. But we should just hang out until the Mersons actually do something about it. Because they see Merson ships out there, but they don't know if they're just cruising through the asteroids like the the pleasure cruiser is, yeah. or if they've actually seen them yet. Right, exactly. And so it's the you know the classic like, well, do we assume trouble and uh, which could and actually start trouble? Or uh, mm-hmm. anyway, let's go talk to the next page and back to our spine nose friend. Yeah, because Obi-Wan has this line that's like, and whatever you do, warn your crew, do not alarm the passengers of the ship. And then immediately we cut to a guy alarming the passengers of the ship. (laughs) By the seven rings of my homeworld, we're all going to die! (laughs) And I was kind of excited that this could turn into the Poseidon adventure in space. But that's not really what happens here. Uh, I would love that, though, if it was just a, a spaceship disaster movie. Um... 
But uh, when, 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 when creating an expletive based on your own personal culture, do you create a generalized version of it in order to like normalize it to other races? So like when you say by the seven rings of Drexanol, yeah. but people don't know what Drexanol is and where seven rings are located. And of course you're having enough thought in your panic to be like, by the yeah. seven rings of well, my home world. Normally I say Drexanol, <laughs> but you don't know what that is. So it would be my home world. Uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's very bad dialogue. Um, yeah, and then I just love. Don't tell anyone. Cut to one panel of a guy telling people. Cut to. Uh, yeah, they know. <laughs> it can't be helped. Yeah. Well, that, well, that everybody's gonna panic then. Uh, our pro- but but who cares? Because the the Mersin ships, man. Remember, and also. Luckily, uh, the food and drink dispensers are still going, so everybody can just get wasted, uh, right? Yeah, and we see that like uh, microwave emitting drink machine that makes all the the drinks full of drugs that taste like whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, just passing them out to people. Hey, man, well, let's calm everybody down by drugging them, right? Like that's the, that's the don't worry. Hey, give it a couple minutes and everyone will settle. Uh, <laughs> You know, you know what's really good? Stimulant laced with a depressant. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> nothing's going wrong there. I want to go two ways. Um, <laughs> uh, so weird uh, uh, pose on Obi Wan here. Yeah, I don't know what exactly yeah. he's doing there, but uh, yeah. he, he he is exclaiming because the merchant ships have turned and they're coming in our direction. Also, I'm just now noticing. Look at his belt. That's not a lightsaber hilt. He just has a broadsword. I mean, sometimes you need a broadsword. <laughs> uh, Infantino forgot what he was drawing here, and he's like, oh, God, I've drawn a medieval adventure. Damn it. <laughs> Look, between Captain Boomerang and uh, Nick Fury, we've got a lot of competing art styles oh, going on here. here. And a little Prince Valiant thrown in on top of all of that, so why not? Yeah. Uh, also, so Metropolis as well. Also, just asteroids with speed lines for days. God, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the Flash Gordon rocket ships while we're at it, too. Uh, but also, the classic Jedi exclamation, by the force. <laughs> you haven't heard that? You, d- you don't remember when uh, Mace Windu said, by the force? By the force, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they must be receiving a signal from within this ship. Um. Oh, okay. Wait a minute, Obi Wan. I'm just a peacetime spaceman. Shit. We're not in the Clone Wars, are we? I guess not. Maybe we're pre Clone Wars. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. They don't know what the content. They don't understand. Like General Kenobi, they don't understand that was like a wartime promotion, not that Jedi's could be generals all the time anyway. Right, and also like how the age of this Obi-Wan looks like th- that period in Obi-Wan Kenobi's life that we know of was exclusively spent on Tatooine. Yep. Like any Obi-Wan we saw during the clone wars and like before the empire looked a lot longer, younger than this. Exactly. Guy. Yeah. Cause he pretty quickly, uh, you know, the only time we see him not like bearded and stuff like that, he's the, the Padawan to Qui-Gon. Right. So, yeah. Here we're dealing with this is definitely a middle-aged Obi-Wan. Right. 
And again, he spent 20 years on Tatooine on, just getting sun skin cancer. So he should be on Tatooine here. Yeah, because he ages very fast on Tatooine, as we know. Look, there, there's the rest of the galaxy years, and there's Tatooine years. That <laughs> <laughs> mm, guy's got some Tatooine years on him, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now... Them, them city miles. Yeah, now it's just nonsensical space combat, right? There's- yeah, and again, I can't really tell the spaceships apart here. They have changed style. Now they kind of look like Imperial Star Destroyers. Yeah, they re- they have suddenly decided to become Imperial Star Destroyers. And there's way too much going on with the cruise ship. Yeah, And then on top of that, you have all these speeding asteroids. This is nonsense. This is way too much happening in art all at once, if you want me to follow what's actually happening. Yeah, and we get a line from the the captain here saying, like, we don't have guns. We've only got the two energy cannons. This is a pleasure cruiser. Sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Did you want to order a Frosty or, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, But don't worry. Yeah, because they they only have these cannons. They have a... I do, like, we don't have any arms. Like, don't you have something? I was like, well, we do have those energy cannons, I guess. But those are standard. Those come standard in the vehicle, man. Everybody... The family sedan has energy cannons. Um, <laughs> uh, but they might just be enough for ordinary scout ships. Yeah. Uh, so Obi-Wan takes command of the ship. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's a military man, as opposed to the captain who's just a peacetime captain. I'm a peacetime captain, man. Yeah, this this guy's like, I'm a commercial pilot, so this is like asking your United Airlines pilot to fight a battle. <laughs> But thankfully, Obi-Wan's here, and he is guided only by the Force. He doesn't know, actually, how to pilot a ship this big. He's flying on vibes. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he might as well be Han Solo at this point. Um, uh, so, the, yeah, and they just start blowing people up. Or, the way it's drawn here, braying them with fire extinguisher, purple, like, look at that. Well, they get scrakowed. Yeah, which look at even the scrakow is like this, like foaming, like yeah. Look, this is bad. The consistency of explosions and fire in space in Star Wars is not something we can start thinking about now. <laughs> I just, I think this is more a coloring error where it's like I would make sure. the explosion a different color than the the energy blast because otherwise, yeah, making it all purple is odd. It looks like the energy blast is then forming into this like cloud. And this is a digital scan of a 30-year-old comic. Lord knows, yeah. or more like 40 years old, yeah. how many like coloration errors they've had in the number of scans we've had to get to the digital version we've seen. I've, we've definitely seen coloring errors before that maybe weren't in the original issue. That that could be true. I don't know. But it, uh, what I can only judge what I'm looking at in front of me. Um, sure. And so, the, 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 so much of this, too, now is... The next page is also all just space and fire. and But here at least yeah, they're doing I purple. Couldn't tell you what's going on here. I guess they blow up all the ships and people are talking from inside the ship. So, yeah, he says, incredible. Two ships at once. I don't know how you did that, but that's all of them. Yep. Everybody's there. Krakowin and Krakumin and... Can you tell the difference in that top panel between some of the ships and the asteroids? No. Like okay. I can, there's a couple ships, but then uh, there's there's like a couple ships and a couple asteroids. I distinctly know, but then there's a bunch of stuff that's like, boy, that could go either way. <laughs> yeah, and it really destroys because you also have speed lines on everything. 
Yeah, that, that doesn't help. No, the asteroids also having like exhaust behind them is not great. And it really, like, we don't know where the energy cannons on the pleasure cruise are coming no. from because all the ships that get destroyed are done so at different angles. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. And the 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 pleasure ship. I don't get a great. It seems to be this long, very thin front. And then just a mass of stuff at the back. Look at how it's just chaos. It almost looks like um, was oh, is, is the Technodome? What's the what's Krang's ship in? Uh, oh, the Technodrome. Technodrome. Yeah. yeah, it looks like that. It's not spherical like that, but it looks like that. Where it's just a mass of like stuff is what that looks like in that last panel there. See, and I was getting like some old school like Macross or Gundam yeah. like anime spaceships like, where it's just like they look like buildings in space. They look like buildings in space and they're but the thing is like they haven't done any ship design. They're just doing a lot of detail and just like yeah. you know it, it's yeah it's it, it's lazy. Um, but we go back to the interior thankfully because they've destroyed the ship but it turns out uh, giving people a bunch of alcohol and drugs uh, in a panicked environment. Not great. No, because they're they're all right, everybody. We got everybody. We've we've reinstalled silent running. But then what's this? It seems everybody's really uh, freaking out down there. Right, because Obi-Wan made some passing comment earlier that there was no way they would have been able to detect us. There must be some kind of signal coming from inside the ship, which maybe means that there's a traitor on board? Uh, yeah, that may be the case. Spoiler, it's not. Um, and that is the conclusion that literally everybody else on the ship is also leaping to. How did they leap to that? Because nobody, the, the rest of the passengers didn't hear Obi-Wan say that. Nope. So they've just also come to that. Except for this guy said, you said someone on the ship. Where did they hear that? Obi-Wan was accidentally leading on the intercom button and everyone on the ship could just hear everything. He got caught on a hot mic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you just have this, but uh, you know, there could be a spy on the ship. Wait, is it, wait was that that Jedi Knight? Is he talking about a spy? <laughs> That's the only explanation. <laughs> uh, what proof have you? Talking about being a Shakespeare yeah. play. But what? Uh, we have this angry mob forming, oh. and they are looking to kill. By the way, uh, he's got more people with the spiny noses here, doesn't he, in the, in the mob? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of them. Or it's the same guy, but it just has the uh, color of his skin changed. Yeah, except well, there's two of them here on the on this next page when we get this close-up. Uh, look at this, though. Just the... Oh, my God. When he's just asked to do aliens, he resorts to such weird, like, alien designs and, like, groups of aliens. Yeah, I mean, I respect that he, he is at least consistent over the course of his art run. Like, there is this, like, extra couple of species of aliens that, while not really reading as Star Wars, are consistently in the background of anything are, Infantino is drawing. In, I'm going to call them Infantinos now. Because um, you've got the, the flat faces with, like, the weird, yep. like, framed... Uh, like mask face guys, which we get one of them at the bottom of this page. We've got the spine nose dudes. We've got the guys with the big, uh, like jelly heads. Yeah, those guys are weird where they're almost just like this, like a gemstone in the center of their head. That's like this huge, it's like a Fabergé egg. And all of them have like weird bat ears. Yeah. Uh, and then just his, just his weird, angry people faces, of course. Um, 
Right. And they're all looking to kill Trill. Yeah. Uh, because he is a known criminal. So he is obviously the one who is trying to sell them all into slavery, slavery to the mercy. I just think it's funny, once again, that like earlier in the comics, we talk, Obi-Wan's just like, hey, you, you're that famous scumbag. And everybody was cool with it. <laughs> right until there's trouble. It's like, wait a minute. That scumbag's on the ship. Now we're upset <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And of course, Obi-Wan's now trying to talk down a mob. Right, and we it's becoming increasingly difficult because not only is Trill a known scumbag, he also has uh, rapidly appearing and disappearing gloves, so that makes him even more untrustworthy. Man, I don't know, man. I don't know if that guy's wearing gloves or not. I don't know what I can trust about him then. If he's lying... If you go back to the last page, you'll see he's wearing gloves in the middle panel, mm -hmm. and then on the bottom panel, he's wearing not gloves. Yep. And then on this page, he's wearing gloves in the middle panel, and then not wearing gloves on the bottom panel. And of course, he's like, you gotta protect me, Obi-Wan. I'm innocent. Isn't that like your thing? Isn't that what Jedi do? You've got to protect me, Kenobi. You're a Jedi. It's your duty. I haven't done anything. But then, of course, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, everybody's like, wait a minute. That Jedi's probably in on it, too. <laughs> Let's get him. One of the, the mask-faced Infantinos goes, Wait, I see it all now. This afternoon, I overheard Trill offering Kenobi a partnership. They're in this together. I conveniently didn't hear the part when he, where he refused it. Um. <laughs> also, my teeth have radically changed Arr. since then. What's going on with my face? I think I would also have less of a problem with the Infantino. Yeah, if some of these designs are more consistent... Now we got a horn-headed guy with bad ears. Or not? Yeah, his uh, his horn has migrated from his nose, split in half, and gone up to his forehead. But he also has the same goblin-y face design as that face he was using earlier. It's just now in an alien. Yeah, well, look, when people are on profile and screaming at Obi-Wan Kenobi, they become goblins. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> really expressionistic, actually. He was ahead of his time in this bold artwork. Uh, yeah. I, I, my, and my favorite guy is the guy from any monster movie. He goes, let's, oh, let's just kill everybody and then sort it out later. Uh, but then Obi-Wan, meanwhile, is like seeing the ship in his mind's eye. And that gives him a force vision, realizing that, no, it's the drink machine that's the problem. Stupid drink machine. And he busts out his famously white lightsaber. Yep. He borrowed and his lightsabers for this. Um, and then and hurls it. <laughs> Why did he have to throw it? It's, the thing is literally right next to him. <laughs> they show <Look>. this. <laughs> Sometimes... You do something to make a dramatic gesture. And if there's one thing Obi-Wan Kenobi is good at, it is leaping into a situation dramatically. Oh, no question about that. Uh, you can watch entire reels of that on uh, YouTube. I love watching uh, Obi <laughs> any Obi-Wan being sassy or anything where, I mean, him dropping in and doing the hello there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's great. Uh, and so, yeah, he throws the drink machine or he throws the lightsaber into the drink machine and then that... Now the Mersons aren't coming after them? I don't understand. So, the explanation it gives is the whole reason the Mersons were able to detect them while they were on silent drifting through the asteroids was because of the microwaves being put out by this drink machine. Yeah. It's basically like they had a vending machine that was too loud yeah. And so they, instead of turning it off, he just explodes it. <laughs> Which would seem like, yeah... 
But I don't understand. Then it's like once they don't have that immediate ping, aren't they like already on them? And it's just like, oh, wait, that went away. That must be nothing. You forget, John. He blew up both of them before. There can't be any more. Uh, out in the asteroid belt, the Mersin ships lost track of the pleasure cruiser and began to wander aimlessly as the source of the microwave emanations that had attacked them or attracted them was destroyed. Okay. I like. I also like that the 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 trail is like, "Hey, thanks for saving me." He's like, "I still fucking hate you, man. You still suck, <laughs> dude. Don't thank me. It was the right thing to do. I think you're trash. But this droid, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. So, remember how this story was initially about how Jedi had tricks like old Han Solo played back in the day." And how this is now also the end of the issue. And Leia's story just sort of drifts off as she says, and he told the droid, and the droid told my dad, and my dad told me. And like, clearly told her enough that she's memorized the story. This was like a routine bedtime story or something for Princess Leia. But also, Obi-Wan pulls no tricks in this. Other than like using the force to determine when to fire the cannons at a certain point. Though that he just he literally just waits until the opportunity presents itself and then blows up the ships and then just destroys the figures out what was attracting them and destroys that and they're saved. There's no which has there's no like, oh man, he really thought his way out of that one. It has no connection to what happens at the beginning of this issue. Like, it's not like those TIE fighters were attracted to the Millennium Falcon because it was giving off some unique signature or something. Yeah. Other than, I guess, they modulated their shields to, like, look like a weakness. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, and then I just love, it's like, wow. Oh, this dialogue is so bad at the end, too, when Luke's just like, well, it was terrific hearing about Ben again. I, my friend who died. And then... Three, they're just like, no, 3PO needs to say something. And he's just like, hey, that robot sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> and then Han having to dis like, yeah, but the force is bullshit. Remember, that's my character. <laughs> Even if you did jazz it up with all that hocus pocus about the force. Yeah, but don't have Han say hocus pocus, by the way. Um don't say the words hocus pocus in Star Wars. No, there are things like that where you're going like, nah, it's a little. But anyway. People had to like go in cartwheeled circles to figure out why Han Solo says see you in hell in Empire Strikes that Back. people up the goddamn wall. I still hear discussions of that. Uh, and that's, I was, that's like the Urukai mentioning menus in Lord of the Rings. Like it right, opens right. this like really tautological uh, rabbit hole of just like, well, if they know what that is, that like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just saw a discussion where somebody was uh, getting bent out of shape about someone on Ahsoka saying kilometers. They say clicks, but yeah, it clicks, but that meaning kilometers, and they're just like, wait a minute. And you're just like, well, yeah, but I understand. You know, it's like some stuff you kind of have to go like, well. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, the passage, the passage of time and distance, you can't just like make up a whole new system of measurement for, or you're going to confuse people. Um, so anyway, in the in the time she told that story, though, the Falcon was repaired, and off they go. Let's get out of this quadrant before we find ourselves in another mess, much like we will next month 
when we pick up on our regular storyline, sorry, that was a waste of your time, is what the end of this says, basically. We needed a fill-in issue, yeah. <laughs> next week, it is The Siege at Yavin. Mm, remember Yavin, the jungle moon? <laughs> on that green planet? <laughs> How else will we know? Yeah. Ooh, that sounds exciting, though. Siege at Yavin. But yeah, that was our first little look on what people thought yeah. the pre-imperial time looked like. Because like that is the thing about A New Hope, right? It presents, and it's one of the draws of Star Wars, it presents this universe that feels lived in. Right. And that there's a history to. Yeah. And when Obi-Wan is dropping lines with, I served with your father in the Clone Wars, there's this whole explosion in your brain of like, wait, 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 what does any of that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 there's some tantalizing words in there. Clone? Wars? What? <laughs> Guardians of the Old Republic yeah. for a thousand generations? Well, that, the Jedi Knights? I mean, that's all, for the longest time, all we had was basically like little bits and pieces of what Jedi even were, right? And it was this very like, ooh, what were that? And that was the exciting thing about the prequels. We're going to see the Jedi in mass, you know, and at the height of their power, right? Because yeah. it's like they were always just sort of this like mythical thing that we were seeing. You know, Obi Wan and Yoda were the last of, and Luke is trying to bring back. And so, yeah, that. But what I also like about this, as we've talked about, it's also like there's nothing in here that commits to anything too much that that's going to get in the way of like, yeah, but George Lucas could basically still do whatever he wants. Right, and this Errol Flynn-looking Kenobi can be swept under the rug at the moment's notice. Yeah, that's sort of the thing about this whole comic, right? It's like, we are adding the continuity right up until anything contradicts. We're not making... There's no big swings in this comic. It is just sort of going like, all of this could happen, or if it doesn't, well, you know. Uh, well, that's the whole thing with Star Wars comics. It is. It feels... It can, at times, feel like a very ancillary piece of the media franchise. Yeah. Because it is always say, playing, like, third fiddle, honestly, yeah. to, like, movies, TV shows are always going to be at the top of the list. Yeah. And even then, like, movies take precedence over TV shows I'm most like, of the time. Though, I'm, that seems to be, like, weirdly changing recently. Well, everything now is about mixing the stuff together right like it's all about like yeah. one thing now but i think even now i even think the video games take precedent over the comics at this point well because yeah i consider the events of like jedi fallen order like uh on a degree of canon yeah. probably above the, some of the comics i mean some of that has um, to do with the fact that like it doesn't it's its own it's got its own characters sure yeah but still like that's a, that's interesting to me although th then we do see comics that are more directly tied in with the shows versus other ones. And it's interesting where they don't step and where they do. I guess my big question with that delineation for you is where do you rank comics versus novels? Ooh, that's a good question. I think they're, well, n there seems to be, a, it's similar to the TV shows. There seems to be a more concerted effort now to make those things fit into canon more. I mean, obviously, that was the whole point of the Legends line, right? Like, severing that. It used to be sure. that novel, novels and comics used to be about on the same level, I, I feel like, back in the Dark Horse days, right? It was sort of like... Because the, 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 a lot of those Dark Horse comics took their cues from things like Heir to the Empire. Well, and that's why I would say that in the 90s specifically, I always felt as though books took precedence. Oh, over 
comic books over over so everything like, almost. I mean that what I mean we because yeah. that was what we, we had. We yeah. grew up in the Star Wars novel era where it was like there are only three movies, and the only thing we're going to get are these novels that sort of tell us where the story goes. You know, I mean, right? We got the Jedi Academy novels are like what we're going to get. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for the longest time, the Thrawn trilogy was uh, episodes uh, seven, eight, and nine for me. Right? Like that was that yeah. was the next trilogy. Um, whether or not that was better than the one we got, we're not here to litigate that again. But, um, you know. <laughs> well, and now it seems like we're kind of ramping into maybe we're just going to get the Thrawn, like, Heir to the Empire movie at this uh, point. It certainly seems that way. I mean, they're certainly, t- and they're certainly tossing around the term Heir to the Empire quite a bit. Um, so, yeah. uh, which I'm all on board for. I mean, they, yeah, they're, we're going to, we're, I, it feels like we're going to kind of have our cake and eat it too on that. So, uh, and I'm fine <laughs> with that. I love Thrawn as a villain. So, um, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So this, this was an interesting little diversion into one of the th- experiments with this show is always been like, what is Star Wars to people when there isn't much Star Wars to base what you think Star Wars yeah. is on? Absolutely. And this is like one of the most extreme examples of well because it's one of the bigger swings right everything else is like these sort of ancillary adventures that in no way really like progress the plot you know like yeah. whether or not there there's nothing in that pirate planet adventure that would negate any the, like there's still there's nothing in empire to say that didn't happen it's such a side adventure Nothing change. Nothing changes in the status quo. The characters aren't really like moved forward much, uh, and I think we've talked about that. I think that's a big reason why they've been hesitant to do too much with Vader because it's like, well, clearly he's the main antagonist, and we can't shift his status quo too much before we see where the next movie takes him. Well, and that's why the end of the wheel arc felt like such a bigger swing when you have a actual confrontation, albeit like. Uh, metaphysical yeah, one they, between Luke and, and Vader. that's another thing where it's like we're gonna we're, we're, we want to do this thing but we're still gonna do it in a way that like doesn't start breaking down uh story stuff uh, you know I, I wish it was more readily available because I've talked about I would love to do this same approach with the Star Trek comics and the Star Trek comics mm. they would just take wild swings and then reboot continuity after each movie they would literally restart <laughs> the Star Trek comic series just go uh none of that happened now that search for Spock came out it's a it's a whole new thing you know it's like well and that's why i'm very curious to get to the empire strikes back uh era of this comic because that is where i think this comic lives for the longest period of time having like looked forward a little bit this comic won't engage with return of the jedi as like an event that happened until a little over a year after the movie has been interesting released. interesting yeah so it's it that's yeah that's that's fascinating and and obviously where we are now in the comic we know i mean actually they probably know quite a bit by the time it's 79 and they're getting they're like probably about yeah they're probably like filming the movie at this point so they oh, must yeah. know broad strokes i would assume of where the franchise is, is going june of 79 empire comes out in may of 1980 yeah. so they sh- they would probably have a lot of stuff locked in and i wonder what was shared with marvel on what point to you know so there's definitely a feeling of like the fact that they're doing this kind of stuff makes sense to me where they're starting to go like mm-hmm. okay we know imminently the next actual chapter of this thing is coming so maybe we like right. cool it with some stuff or I don't know. I'm fascinated to see where they're or 
or if there's any seeding of empire, probably not. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think that's one of the more interesting things we'll see coming yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I guess next week we'll we'll see the siege on Yavin. Siege at Yavin? Siege in Yavin? It's a siege. There's Yavin. We'll at Yavin is interesting. I would think it'd be the siege of Yavin, but okay. Sure, there's a siege at Yavin. Um, uh, yeah, it's actually not of Yavin. They're not sieging Yavin. There's a siege happening. It's at Yavin, but it's not of. It has Yavin. nothing to. Do, it actually has nothing to do with the rebellion or the empire. It's just it's happening. <laughs> uh, well, if you want more uh, of these antics and, and such, uh, and then support the show, uh, we recommend you go over to our uh, Podbean patron page, which is patron.podbean.com/slash/punchup. Uh, there you can get cool exclusive bonus content from this show and all of our shows uh, here on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including Material Components, uh, Ikergoni's uh, actual play uh, RP- live RPG show, uh, yes, uh, Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, which is myself and friend of the show, Brendan Jones, going through the history of the monsters. Plus, you can also get uh, access to the currently on hiatus and soon-to-be-evolving The Action Shelf, which we like to say we're, we're rebooting, much like a good action franchise always does. I feel like you're going from the the piecemeal approach of one's trip into the blockbuster and Hollywood and Redbox of the action shelf versus like just grabbing stuff that looks interesting mm-hmm. to, okay, I've been burned by that approach too many times. Let's try to drill in on things that are known quantities yes, the, that I can maybe uh, like go into the lesser known branches. The, 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 the evolution of that show, trust me, if you're a fan of what we've done on the action shelf, you will not be disappointed. I, I, I will say it's it's more of it's a bigger approach to what we're doing. So, uh, <laughs> we're, we're still just in the I don't I don't have an exact date on when that'll happen, but you can still enjoy all of our archives of that, plus all the bonus content from it on uh, patron.podbean.com slash punch up yes indeed and of course if you're watching this show on YouTube a great way to support us is to hit like hit subscribe hit that bell for notifications when any of the new podcasts get released from the punch up entertainment network there is always a YouTube version that comes up some of them are just audio with a little bit of an overlay so you can have it as a beautiful second screen experience or you can see our beautiful mugs on say I don't know this show and read the comic along with us as we're absolutely that I think uh, you know I mean enjoy the show however you want but I think that the fullest experience of the show is the YouTube version of the show because you do get to see the comic alongside us. So make sure you like, comment, and subscribe below if you're watching on YouTube. And leave a comment below uh, if you want to... What should we ask people? Uh, uh, what, uh, what, what, what trick did Obi-Wan pull? What could you argue he used in this comic <laughs> that was a quote-unquote trick? Yeah, what's the old Jedi trick he did in this one that wasn't just use the force? Use the force. Yeah, <laughs> same thing he always does. Um, don't right. see what he did that was any different than what they do in every Jedi story. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up this week's episode. I think that will do it for us this week. As always, I have been Mike Gergani. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. Oh.